Appreciate you guys being here, and uh, yeah, check that. Make sure I didn't jerk something out. No, it looks good. But um, you know, this is a different time in which we live. How I many of you wouldn't acknowledge that? You know, he's talking about the fear of the Lord. Really, the fear of the Lord is going to be the answer to fearing the things in the world. You know that. And uh, Jesus Himself, He said, men's hearts are going to fail them from fear of the things coming upon the earth. And so I think if we fear God, we will not fear the things coming upon the earth because we know the one that is ultimately coming to the earth and he's coming to rule and reign over all the things on the earth. Amen. Anybody else got a deal here? I wanted to mention after here in just a bit, we're going to uh, do baptism after the service. And uh, so if you'd like to be baptized, you just make sure you see Shirley. But baptism is for, you know, it's our commitment to Christ. It's our public testimony. But also, there are many other reasons we've discovered, and one of them is just a, in the Jewish, in the custom, the mikvah, there was the washings, the cleansing. And so they would often go into the baths, into the baptisms to receive cleansing. It was a new beginning of obedience and just a fresh start, fresh fire. And uh, you guys need to shout a little bit. It's way too quiet in this place this morning. I, yeah, goodness gracious, very quiet and subdued today. I don't like that. I like to get excited because the devil's crowd is out there shouting about. And so we're going to shout as well. Now, I want to, if they can do this, I'm not sure they'll be able to do it or not. It may not work. But there's a 30-second clip. Did you get that clip ready? from Tucker Carlson. I wanted you to see this if you hadn't seen it. They're working on that. And um, they might get it. That's good. Oh, it's good to have Isaac and my family, Isaac's mom and dad and brothers. And um, Isaac had been through a few battles, but he's overcoming. That's who, that's who we are. We're overcomers in this life. How many of you are overcomers? That's who we are. That's what Jesus said. We're more than conquerors. We're not just going to conquer a little. We're going to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. So did we get that little clip from Tucker Carlson? Five, four, three, two, zero. So we didn't get Tucker. Oh, we still might get him. We're in no hurry. This is no professional thing. You know, last week was an amazing time together. I was, uh, man, I, it was hard to sleep after last Sunday, and I want it to be that way again. Hey, Chris, we like when you're shaking. You know, to me, that's a sign. <clears throat> Either you're scared to death or the anointing, one or the other. And I believe it's the anointing. Because I remember in the early days, there were times when I would, boy, it would be hard to hold the mic. So I'm glad it's on you and not me. <laughs> you can have it. Anyway, we're so glad you guys are watching. We have a big family that watches online. They're part of this 
family. They, many we've never met, but Lord willing, we will one day. And, um, but we're grateful that you're a part of this incredible time in which we're living. Things happen every day. Almost, you, have to, you have to, you ask two questions. First, what's next? And then secondly, Lord, am I really, you know, you choose me for this time? And he did. He chose all of us to live on the earth at this time in history. And uh, so I don't think we're going to get Tucker Carlson. Well, we got it. Okay, it's a 30-second clip if you didn't see it. There's a reason I wanted to show this because it's um, going to bounce off of something. Here he is. We'll try it again. Well, Tucker must have been fired. And I'm not laughing about that. It's just he's not on, so it's okay, guys. Thank you. What I wanted to show you was the 30-second clip. If you hadn't seen it, I think you can catch it somewhere. uh, My friend Alan Smith sent it to me. But he's basically talking about this was before he was fired from Fox, how he appreciated those who would stand up for truth in this hour and how we need to rally behind them. And we're very grateful because to tell the truth in this time is going to cost you greatly. And then, of course, he lost his job. And, uh, but I'm thankful for Tucker. I don't know if he knows the Lord or not, but, uh, but he's going to know the Lord. And that's our prayers, that he would come to a, an understanding and that he needs a Savior and he would come to the knowledge of the truth. And, uh, but here's why the reason I wanted to share that didn't work, but it's okay, is I heard it was a, a report of one particular official explaining why Tucker had to be removed. And that is, is because he was causing people to think too much. And we can't have people thinking in this hour. And, but that same government official, and this is what I'm leading to, now, this is what he said. I had to think twice. You mean he really said that? He said, Tucker Carlson was a hindrance to the principalities and the powers. Now, that got my attention. I thought, that's speaking more than what we know. And then I thought, now, if Tucker, who we don't even know, knows the Lord for sure. Maybe he does. We don't know for sure. But if he could be a hindrance or a threat to the principalities and powers, how much more can you and I in this hour, because that's our job, that's our calling. And before we get in the word, I wanted to read, look over with me if you would. I don't know that we have this scripture. Some of the scriptures I have on a PowerPoint, others I don't want you to follow with me. But beginning in Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, verse 8, this is a word to us. It says to me, now Paul's speaking, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given to me. How many of you know that times you feel as if you're the least? Anybody else ever feel that way? This week we were down in Morningstar at the MFM gathering of all the ministries and churches, and someone made a statement, made a lot of sense. He said, you know, some churches do a lot of things well. And he was, they were referring to what happens in Fort Mill, but we we don't maybe do a lot of things well, but we want to focus on having the Holy Spirit well 
in our place. And I thought, boy, that fits us. We don't do a lot of things well. If you're around here long enough, you'll find out we're just simple people. But what we do want to excel in is the presence of the Lord. So here's what he's saying. He says, to me who am least than the, le- the less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable means incomprehensible. All the things that God is, really is incomprehensible. There are some things we can grasp a little, but how, much, how many of you know is what's being spoken this morning? We need revelation to understand all that he is and all that we have in him. We need our eyes open, our ears open. Chris was referring to that. But he says, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, in the coming days, we're going to have to point people toward the riches of Christ. Because worldly riches may lose in value, but the riches of Christ will never descend in their value. They'll always remain. In fact, we're going to find that they're worth more than what we've ever dreamed. Then in verse 9, And we're to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, here was the verse I wanted to read. To the intent that now, say now, Now. the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Now, who's the church? That's us. Say, I'm part of the church. That the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And this is according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, and therefore, in verse 12, we're going to have boldness and confidence in the hour in which we've been called to live because this is the day that you and I have been summoned to. So guess Who's the most threat to the powers and principalities in the heavenly places? We are. And we're going to let them have it the best way we can. We're going to have confidence, boldness, courage, and we're going to know that greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. And the church must do that in this hour. So I was going to wrap all of that we had said. We're going to get to this in just a moment. But the church in this hour, we're to speak the truth, right? We got to point others to the truth regardless of the cost. And Tucker paid a great price. He lost his job, but he may end up gaining all of eternity in the process, and it would be all worth it. But we're also to make the manifold wisdom of God known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now, I want to pray and just commit this morning to the Lord and then share some things. And... um, There is already a certain amount of the fear of the Lord here. We're living in that season. You can't but help fear the Lord. And when you understand who God is and who he's going to show himself in this hour, because he has the greatest, he is the one more than us, is going to show himself to the principalities and powers of who he is. But there is a fear of the Lord, and we just want to pray We want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. And, uh, you know, last Sunday I could, man, God, just do it like you did last Sunday every time. But every day is new. Every, we need fresh oil, fresh anointing. And, uh, Lord, we want all that you have for this day. Lord, we thank you that we don't often do a lot of things well. But, Lord, what we want is your presence. 
We want to excel in, in honoring the presence of the Lord in this place. Father, that we thank you for our family. Thank you for those that are visiting with us, those that are online that are, that's a part of our family. Lord, you called us, you summoned us to the hour in which we live. And we know the church is going to be changing in some amazing ways in this hour. But we're always going to stand and speak the truth. And so we ask for grace. We ask, God, that you give us eyes to see, that you give us ears to hear, and that we would be transformed by your presence. We thank you, as Chris reminded us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we bless the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, said amen. Amen. Now, just want to review. How many of you remember any things that we shared last week? Some of you do. That's pretty good. Because I always wonder, God, do they remember anything? You know, or maybe you, you know. So anyway, we talked about true biblical Christianity. This will help us get lined up with where we're going this morning. But at times I like to look back and review. But we saw that biblical Christianity, number one, is very controversial. We're not called to get along in this world. We're called to create some havoc along the way, turn over some boats, and uh, make life a little more difficult to those who are on the road to an eternal hell and damnation. And uh, we should interrupt their plans. And remember Jesus, he said, unless you eat this, my body, and drink this blood. And remember what we said, they accused the early believers of what? Of being cannibals. Well, if we'd have heard that statement and we didn't know the Lord, we might have thought the same thing. But Jesus, he didn't back away from that. He just further gave explanation that there was a spiritual principle that they were to hear rather than this natural understanding. But he was very controversial. And then also, biblical Christianity was confrontational. How can it not be confrontational? The whole world is going one way. You and I are going the opposite way. We're not going the way of the world. And so we're going to be running head on in collision with those who are going the opposite way. And our hope is that they'll make an about face. And remember Jesus, he was not afraid of being confrontational. He just told these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, you are of your father, the devil. How many of you know that might stir up a little confrontation If you go down the streets and say, you're of your father, the devil. But remember, he was actually speaking to the religious crowd. He would go into churches, and that was the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And then biblical Christianity was contentious, and we talked about that. Remember, we used Proverbs 28.4. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked. And you can look at the Constitution as the same way. Those who you know, forsake the Constitution, they're going to praise the wicked. But then it says, but such as keep the law, contend with them. And we gave the illustration of how our former president was very contentious with those who were discarding the law, and it was actually supposed to be that way. It was God's purpose. And then biblical Christianity is contagious. You and I We should be really contagious. We should be carrying this something that gets off of us and onto many people around us. We're either going to attract people to the Lord 
or we're going to be very detestable and they're not going to think very highly of us and they're going to run the other way. And we looked at the scripture about that. How many of you remember? You know, you are the sweet aroma of the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ in every place. To some, death to death, but others, life to life. And then we saw that biblical Christianity is Christ-centered. It's not man-centered. It's not denominational-centered. It's not some particular doctrine, personality. It is Jesus Christ as the center of the church. And that's something we're just going to trumpet from here into the end of the age. And then it's extremely costly. Remember we made the statement that there's going to come a time, and probably sooner than we think, where we're going to have to choose whether we live or die. And if you choose to live you will have made the wrong choice. If you understand the Bible correctly and remember what Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you're going to find it. And then the last thing, we saw that it was a daily choice. It's a daily choice. Picking up our cross daily and following him. It's a one time we know you're born again, but it's a daily, lifelong commitment of picking up your cross, right? He said, if any man come after me, let him pick up his cross. I forgot something, another reason I wanted to share that. I noticed, you know, we're talking about being controversial. I don't get into Facebook much. I just, I get fried when I get on that because they, they, that somebody will steal my identity and they'll put out things I never put out and stuff. But anyway, I couldn't help but see on the church's Facebook last week, we were being called various names and false prophets and things I never even heard of before. And I kind of got excited about that. I really honestly did. I'm I'm telling, you know, used to, I'd get discouraged, you know, because everybody wants to be liked, but you don't want to be liked by everybody in this day. Jesus said, beware that men speak well of you. But I wanted to answer one thing because I just couldn't pass it by. It was about somehow we believe in this. I think it was called a new apostolic reformation. I don't even know all that that is. Never heard of it. I think I did hear of a little bit, but I think it's what it's about is there are people that believe the kingdom of God is coming on the earth. And they're going to be a part of that kingdom coming. And I thought, well, Lord, how is that so bad? Did you not say the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force? Are we not supposed to be praying, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then I also know the other side of the story. And I would say I believe that to a degree, but more than that, I believe that When the king comes, then the kingdom will fully be established. My hope is not in what I can bring to the earth. I'm going to participate just like us. We're going to participate. But ultimately, our hope is in the coming of the king. And he will establish his kingdom. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So anyway, I just wanted the people out there to know I believe in that. He is our blessed hope. And we're going to preach the second coming of Jesus Christ. So anyway, I hope we have some comments today. Jerry will check Facebook and tell me what was said, you know.
I kind of like that stuff. And, but I want you to know now, maybe they're watching. We hold nothing. We bless you guys. We bless you. We don't curse you. We bless you. And we just pray that God will have his way in you. It'll be just a, God will just break out in your midst. So anyway, okay, so I want to get to this PowerPoint. I wanted to share some things this morning that were stirred up. I actually had planned to share something totally different. And about midway through the week, things shifted. Boy, these are days you're going to have to go with the shifting of the Holy Spirit. All of our agendas are probably going to go thrown out the window. I'm glad we have windows in heaven that are open because we're going to need what God is releasing in the hour. We're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. If you try to survive on your emotions, you are, you're in trouble. Emotions are going to come, they're going to go. You know, we're going to have challenges, battles. Man, there are battles today, Isaac, aren't there? You've, we've seen some physical, but I'm telling you, there are battles for all of us. How many of you are in the midst right now in some kind of a battle? Physically, emotionally, spiritual, we're all in battles. And they're not going to end until, until that day. You know, I believe that he will wipe away every tear. I've often thought about that scripture. Lord, why does it say in Revelation that in that day you'll wipe away every tear? Because there are going to be some tears. And you're going to need for him to wipe away those tears. Because we're in this battle. And we're in a great fight to the finish. We just know that this battle has been finished and it will finish. And we know who the finisher is. Now, the title of this message is The Harvest, God's Finished and His Finishing Work. And this is just part one today. I'm going to, next week, Bobby Connor will be here and this place will be over. It'll be jam-packed. So you're going to have to get here early to get a seat. But uh, when we host these conferences, people come from all over the country. And that's part of who we are. You know that, right? We're to host the presence of God. We used to have a big sign out on the, on the outside that said, you know, we're here for the purposes of the kingdom, to advance the purposes of the kingdom. It's not about us becoming a big church. We want to be a part of a big kingdom that is ever increasing on the earth. Because it said, of the increase of his peace and of his government, there shall be no end. So we believe that. We believe everything the Bible says about the kingdom. There's a whole lot more we want to believe. We want to know. God, open our eyes to see all of this. But today we want to start a message on God's finished work. Sometimes things disappear in the midst of what you're doing. They came back, surely. You don't have to bail me out this time. But as a foundation of where we're going this morning, I want to, um, there we are, Amsterdam 2023. I wanted to go back. Now, I know I shared this, but it all fits together in just really an amazing story So I wanted to go back, and I shared that in June of 2023, coming up in just a couple of months, there's a great gathering in Amsterdam. Remember, I shared this with you, and uh, I was at the gathering 37 years ago, and it was supposed to, you know, it gathered evangelists from all over the world. It was called the International Conference for Itinerant Evangelists. The first one was actually 40 years ago. So that's why they're having Amsterdam 2023 because it's the 40th anniversary. But I was there, and they did it twice in 83 and then 86. 
And I was at Amsterdam in 86, and uh, it was a great gathering. They were from all over nations. I believe every nation was represented. Somehow, I was representing America. Now, there were many others, but I share with you how the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association paid my way, but I almost didn't make it because I left my passport at home. And anyway, that was a miracle because God wanted me to be there. But I'll never forget, as that great gathering ended, all the flags of the nations and Billy Graham gave a charge, you know, that, that we were being called to reach a great harvest at the end of the age. And now, 37 years later, I believe that this is what that moment was all about, that we've been called for such a time as this. And you and I are here. Now, but what I didn't tell you is years later, the story goes on, and that is when we were just a couple of years after Amsterdam. Shirley and I met right after that, maybe a year or so after that, two years, we got married. And it was just about a year after that that somebody handed me a pamphlet. Now, in those days, you, you know, everything was stapled together. You just got what you got. And, but it was called The Harvest by Rick Joyner. How many, of you, how many of you saw that pamphlet? This will show how old you are if you saw it. But I got one. And it was on the harvest, and I remember how my heart was stirred. There was a fire in my heart, and I knew that somehow that I'd been called to the harvest. Now, Rick expanded on that, and we're going to look at some things this morning. But I, I went to hear Rick Joyner speak in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. We were in West Virginia, and I saw on that pamphlet somehow, I guess it was, that he was going to be speaking in Gettysburg. And so I met Rick Joyner on the battlefield in Gettysburg, on the Civil War battlefield. And I've shared that with you before. It literally was on the battlefield. It was in a hotel. But that's where the conference center was. And I shared, you know, how after one of the meetings, I did something very dumb. I went up to Rick and I said, hey, Rick, I'm going to call you one day. And I remember thinking how stupid I felt. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing anybody could say. He's going to think you're utterly, you know what I mean? Because I don't even know him, and I'm going to call him one day. Well, I ended up being his ministry assistant. So that was a word from the Lord, and God brought it all together. And, uh, but there's something more. Now, there's something else, and that is the billion so harvest. Bob Jones, who we know spoke into many of our lives, is buried, what, maybe 200 50, 200 yards from this place. And, of course, he had this incredible vision, this encounter of a billion so harvest. So you and I are called together for such a time as this. Now, whether you're just passing through or you're just, you know, somehow you're watching today, I'm telling you, you've been called to a harvest. This is the hour for all of this to come together. And somehow God is seen something in us that many of us didn't see in ourselves. Because I can tell you, when I was in my 20s in Amsterdam, I didn't see a lot in me. I was wondering how in the world I was even called to be a part of that gathering. But I was there, and then I really felt bad because I almost missed even making it because I didn't get my passport, and they had to fly and all this stuff. It was an amazing, crazy story. I still don't know how I got it, but I did and I was supposed to be there. Now, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4. 
because the harvest, I want to define it because there are more ways to look at this than just a large multitude of the lost coming into the kingdom, though I believe that's going to happen. How many of you believe that? With all the things going on in this hour, I've had people challenge. They've challenged us, the church, as to whether we really still believe that's going to happen. Well, I'm just telling you, I really still believe that's going to happen. In spite of all, in fact, because of all that's happening, I'm even more encouraged that it's going to happen than I've ever been before. But we need to define that. Now, in John chapter 4, we see that Jesus, let me give you some context, and we're going to read that scripture, that Jesus left Judea. He was en route to Galilee. And then verse 4, it said, but he needed to go through Samaria. There are times in all of our lives that we need to go go through certain experiences in order for God to work something in us that would not be worked in us had we not gone through that experience. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some things you would rather have avoided. If you were in charge, you'd say, hey, God, can we do this a different way? I really don't like pain. I would rather avoid this. You said pray, lead me not into temptation, so I'm praying. Don't lead me through Samaria. I want to go through Damascus or Jerusalem. I want to go some other way. But he overruled you, and he led you through a way that he could work in you the most. That's our God. Why? Because he hates us? No, he loves us. He knows what it's going to take for me. He knows what it's going to take for you to get to your finish line. So he's the one that sets certain events into place Because we already know what Romans 8, 28 says anyway, right? All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. You don't just take the first part of that scripture and blame God for everything. All things work together. No, you don't just blame him. They work together for good to them that love him and those that are called according to his purpose. So Jesus said, if you had known that he's going on with this woman, let me just say there's something that Jesus, he had to go through to meet the woman at Samaria. His paths crossed with her at Jacob's well because he needed to be refreshed. He was weary on his journey. And remember that, um, you know, she was a Samaritan and Jews were to have nothing to do with Samaritans because they were half-breeds. But anyway, their conversation centered around drawing water from the well. And then Jesus said, if you had known the gift of God and who it was who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. So he goes on. And Jesus said, answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. So we're speaking about a spiritual principle. We're looking at eternity. Jesus deals with us in the here and now, but he also has in mind eternity. We're being prepared for a glorious eternity. We're only here for a short amount of time, but what we're actually being prepared for is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. How many of you know that? This is not all there is. There's far more to come than there is right now. How many of you would agree? If this is all there is, what are we going through all this for? There's so much more. We have a heavenly inheritance. We have treasures that are being laid up in heaven. Eternal 
treasures of which one day we will, we will enjoy. And we're going to enjoy a lot in this life. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And we know the kingdom is here, but we know the kingdom is also coming. But he says, There's, the water that I give him shall never thirst again, but the water that I shall give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And at this point, his disciples came. They marveled why he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or what are you talking to her? Or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and he said to the men, come, or she said to the, to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ or could this be the Messiah? And she actually was questioning. I believe she was actually believing this was the Messiah, probably where the Messianic movement began somehow. I know it had many beginnings, but she believed and she was asking that question. But let me ask you, did Jesus tell her everything that had ever happened to her in her life? No. But what he did tell her was enough to get her attention that she was loved of God and that he had her best interests in his heart. Well, in the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, you need to come and eat. And uh, he came and let's go get back to that. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. So there it is. I'm, we're going to come back at that over two messages. There is that which Jesus said it is finished. But there's also a finishing work that involves you and me. Did you hear that? It is finished. He did what he came to do. But what he came to do, he also did so that you and I can do a finishing work on the earth. Now, if that sounds a little different, hang on. You may have to wait a few weeks well, I'll explain it. Then he said, do you not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Now, how does the Bible define the harvest? This is what I want to look at. And we're going to spend, I'm just going to do a couple of things today and then we'll pick it back up. But number one, this, this is what I gleaned from Rick's vision of the harvest back in 19, if I, Amsterdam was 86 and 87, 88, we got married in 88. So probably 89 or 90 that we met Rick, maybe in 1990. But the first one is, is that the harvest is the reaping of all that has been sown, both good and evil. Did you hear that? It's a reaping of all that's been sown, both good and evil. And the key for us will be not to focus on that which is coming forth as evil, but that which we've sown, and we know that what God has done in us is greater than that which is being sown in the world. Now look over, if you would, in the book of Galatians. Everybody with me this morning you better be here. Hey, there's my good friend, my truck driver out there. You got your rig outside, man. That's good. He's a over-the-road driver. Man, I'm not going to let anybody go to sleep this morning. Oh, John's in the rocking chair, but he's not rocking. That's a good thing. Because if you were rocking, it could put you to sleep. But anyway, it's the sowing. Look at this. Galatians, we cannot forget this, and we're going to have to remind the world. Look in verse 
7. Actually, verse 6, it says, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So this is just a biblical principle. Then in verse 7, do not be deceived. Say, do not be deceived. What did Jesus say about the last days more than any other thing? Take heed that no one deceive you. Do you think there will be any deception on the earth at the end of the age? There will be massive, to the degree that if possible, even the elect will be deceived. Well, why did he say that earlier if the elect could not be deceived? He said it because the, the elect had to walk in the truth. You don't just one time say, I believe the Bible and that's it. You walk in the Word of God. He that remains, that abides in the Word, they are my disciples indeed. Not the one who just said one time, okay, I believe the Bible. No, they, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. So do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, the word mock means to lift up the nose. Can I tell you that's happening today? You know, we're trying to tell the world there's a loving God, that he's on your side, that he wants you. He died for you, and they just lift their nose, and they walk away. He says, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows or a nation, that he will also reap. And we're going to look at that. Let me show you even more in just a moment, the reaping. Now, Pastor Tobias, last week I shared with you how we're beginning this mission information board outside. And you guys need to know, because I've not done a great job of explaining, but we actually, our tithe, all the tithe that comes in, we send to missions in many places across the earth. So we're trying to get that information so you'll know who you support. We support Israel and Haiti and Pakistan and India. And there's 11, 12, 13, I don't know so how many nations. There are a multitude of ministries. Some nations, like Kenya, Pastor Tobias, we support a number of pastors. And um, one pastor we support, we've supported him, but he died in a car accident. So he, he left a widow and small children. So we just felt we're to continue to support his wife. And so we send a little bit to them. And, and you don't have to send a whole lot. Just send. Be faithful. Be consistent. But T Pastor Tobias is one of the pastors that we support. He's the head of what's called the Kabira Slums. You ever heard of the Kabira Slums? It's the largest, they say, slums in all the world. We've been there. I took Josh when we went there. Joshua and I went to the Kabira slums. If you see the Kabira slums, you're grateful. Wherever you live in America, you're grateful that you get to live in America because it's some of the worst slums. I've never seen anything like it, but it's in Nairobi. And he was talking about this week. I text him. He, he, you know, we have contact. He'll ask me how to pray or pray for certain things. And so we support Tobias every month. That school. He has a school in the Cabrera slums. And these kids, they're, they're the cutest little kids on planet Earth. And they all have the same, they all wear the same things. And uh, it's like God's favors on that little school. In the midst of these slums, these kids look awesome. You know, they're wearing the same color shirts and pants. But anyway, it's a pretty good thing. But Tobias was telling me this week, you need to come back to Kenya because false prophecy and false prophets now are running rampant throughout Kenya. And I thought, well, Tobias, join the club. 
They're running right now all over America. They're false prophets and false prophecies. And we need to be those who avoid the deceptions. And the Bible tells us how to avoid these things. One is in James chapter 1, verse 22, be a doer of the word. He says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so when we just hear the word and we walk out and we forget what we've heard, we're forgetful hearers and we're opening up ourselves to deception. Did you hear that? And not just what you hear and hear. This better be not all. This is just a way to stir us up, you know, come together, encourage one another, you know, get this single vision of what we're called to be in the hour, be engaged, give opportunity. But you are in the Word every day of the week. And I don't hear any amens, but it should be a big resounding amen because we're to be in the Word. But not just hearers or readers, but what? But doers. Now, deception defined means to cause to wonder, to depart, to go astray, to be seduced. Are there any seducing spirits in America today? I never... If you told me these things would be happening that are happening right now, even 10 years ago, many of us would have said, you're out of your mind. You know, you must be one of those conspiracy theorists. Those things can't... They're not going to happen in America but anyway, they're happening in America. Now, it means to be seduced and to lead from the truth into what? Error. That's why First John is all about my children walking in the truth. It's not just knowing the truth. Thank God we get to know it, but we want to walk in it. Now, go back to um, Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man or a nation sows... He will also reap. Do you think God means what he says? For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And then he gives us an encouragement. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we are going to do what? We're going to reap. If. If what? We do not lose heart. Some versions say if we do not grow weary. Why did he put that in there? So that we wouldn't grow weary. We can't grow weary in well-doing. We've got to stay the course. Every power in hell is assigned against us in this hour to prevent us from finishing the course God set us upon. I personally believe the persecution has already begun through just the media, the thoughts, we're being blasted by thoughts that are negative, that are contrary, that get us to doubt, get us to question the integrity of God, the love of God, even the existence of God. And many are falling captive. We can't grow weary. We can't lose heart. Now, we know that the one thing that will override our, you know, being deceived and all these things and wandering away from the path is that we love the truth and we walk in the truth and we do not mock God. Now, the one thing that can interrupt the sowing and the reaping process is what? Repentance. Say repentance. It's the blood of Jesus. So when you blow it, how many of you blew it this week? Okay, so what do you do? Well, that's it. I blew it. It's all over. Done with. 
finished. Jesus, it was good knowing you. No. You get up. The Bible says the righteous stumble and they fall seven times, but they rise again. If we, seven means completion. We're going to continue to rise. Do you realize how that's going to make hell awful upset in this hour? Because they're throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at the church in this hour. It's only going to get a little bit more intense in the days to come. But you and I are going to continually rise again. I wonder if that means every time you rise, you rise a little higher. I don't know that. But it sure sounds good to me. And if I could create a doctrine, I'd say that. But it sounds right. I mean, we're increasing. We're to, we're to pray that you would increase in the knowledge of him, in the revelation of the faith. So, so be it. Every time we rise up, we're going higher and higher and higher. And it's repentance. All right, so it's a reaping of all that's been sown. So in other words, don't be shocked. America will reap what it is sowing right now. Every nation on the earth, all these nations. And that's why you and I are, we're sowing righteousness. Well, what are we going to reap? Seeds, fruit, through the generations. Our kids, our grandkids, they're going to somehow inherit the faith that you and I chose to walk in. And the righteous things that we had planted, they're going to get to walk in it. Because you and I paid the price. I'm not going to let that go. The things that Shirley and I went through, Josh, Emily, Isaac, Molly, Addie, the whole clan, they're going to walk in it too. Because we, we're, we're, that's part to be our, our inheritance. All right, the next thing, the harvest is a marker. It is a sign that we're at the end of the age. Okay, where do I get that? You know where I get it. But look over in uh, Matthew chapter 20 or Matthew chapter 13. Are you with me still? You hadn't fallen asleep. <clears throat> don't, don't go to sleep. Not in this hour is too many yet sleep. And they're hoping that when they wake up, it'll all be over. It's not going to be over, so they might as well awaken now and get engaged, put on the full armor of God, you know, be complete in Jesus, get in the word of God, become the man that you've been called to be, the woman. But anyway, look in verse uh, 24, Matthew chapter 13. And another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you see the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, they're really interchangeable. It's the same thing. Just different ways to speak of the same thing. How do you know that? Because I did a complete study of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, and I found that they're the same. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. Now, the word appeared, it means to shine. Say, to shine. Now, remember, because I'm going to go back there in just a few moments when we, uh, we wrap it up. But uh, they'll begin to shine. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Then how does it have these tares? And he said to them, An enemy's done this. The servants 
said to him, do you want us then to go up and gather all the tares out? But he said, no, don't do that. You can't do that. No, lest while you gather up the tares, you're also going to uproot the wheat also. So you don't want to go gather up the tares. I'd just soon do that. I'd just soon gather them up, shake them, you know, and get their attention because their future is not that glamorous. I'd like to do that. Maybe that's what we're called to do. But he just don't pull them out there to grow together. Let them grow, verse 30, together until the harvest. At the time of the harvest, I will say to my reapers, God has some reapers. And I'm not talking about you and me, not in this text. First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barns. When I read that, I think about this place. From the outside, it looks like a huge barn. He's gathering together his wheat. I want to be a part of the wheat that you're gathering, Lord. Now look down in verse 36. He goes on and uh, says, then he explains, then Jesus sent the multitude away. And his disciples came and said, now explain to us, Jesus. And that's what he did with his disciples. He would give general teachings, but then his disciples, those who had ears to hear, who wanted to know the more, those who would pay the price to spend time with him, he would explain the parables. He would go deeper with them. How many of you want to go deeper? You can. The invitation is open to you. So he answered, and he said, he that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. In other words, there are only two groups when it's all said and done on planet earth. The sons of the kingdom and the sons of the wicked one who are of the synagogue of Satan. When you study out Revelation, you see this clearly. There are two groups on the earth. And anyway, that's when it really gets exciting. And then 39, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers in this text are who? They're the angels, God's angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Just expect it. The Son of Man will send out his angels, reapers. What do they look like? Well, I've never seen one. How many of you, you may have, but I have a feeling they're probably pretty terrifying. But anyway, he's going to send forth his angels. They're going to gather out of his kingdom. So we know the kingdom is on the earth. So this is part of his coming. He's going to gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Now, what did Jesus say about the end times? There'll be increased lawlessness. The love of many will grow cold. What are we seeing in America today? Today, Increased lawlessness. There'll be those who will become more lawless. There will be those who become more filled with the law of God that's written in their heart. And instead of lovelessness, they'll become more filled with the love of God in the midst of the lovelessness. That has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And it is. They'll grow in hatred. We will grow in love. And they'll cast them into the fire, the furnace of fire. There will be wailing 
and gnashing of teeth. Then the right, then, say then. Then the righteous will what? They'll shine. They'll shine forth. So earlier we saw there are two groups that shine. The tares will appear and the tares will shine. That's happening right now. The attention is on the tares in many ways in the world system. But then, then the righteous will shine as the sun in the kingdom of their father. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Does that make sense to you guys? It's a sign of the end of the age. How many of you were like me when you were young? You, you would ask the Lord, Lord, am I living? Is this really the end of the age? How many of you, anybody else, we've asked this before. Many of us have. Well, what if it is? What if it is? I personally, now it's just my own opinion. I've shared with Shirley. I don't know that I would share this publicly. Huh? Yeah, there's some things I wouldn't share, but, but I, now I know we don't know the times and seasons. And maybe the reason I don't share this is because I know there are people that have always given dates. You know, remember 88 reasons why Christ must, must, buddy. And if you didn't believe it back in 1986, you were a heretic. He's coming back. It's going to happen. He didn't come back. Then they believed it in 90s and they believed. But I believe the Lord's shown me. And it's in our lifetime. And I'm not going to set the date, but I'm just telling you, you can know the signs. And one of them is this sign right now that's happening. Then the third thing, the harvest will bring about a final separation. Did you hear that? It's a final separation here. Didn't Jesus say something? He said, how does that go? I did not come to bring peace on the earth, but I came to bring a sword to separate. Okay, so what's going to be separated in this hour? Well, first he's going to separate, as we said, the wheat from the tares. How's that going to happen? Well, all of a sudden, these gigantic, or maybe they're very tiny, I don't know what, but they're reaper angels. I have, I have in my own imagination what they look like, and I would just prefer not see them. How many of you know what I mean? That's just the way I am. That's a little bit of the fear of God. You, you, part of the reason the church in America doesn't fear God is we've lost the concepts in the New Testament, the teaching. Jesus taught. This is his teaching. Jesus. They said, well, you've got to preach like Jesus. Okay, then talk about the wheat and the tares. Talk about how he's going to gather them in bundles and burn them in the fire, and there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then you will have preached like Jesus preached. And then he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Now, I believe that they're sheep nations and goat nations. I'm just hoping America, whether America is a sheep or goat nation, I'm a part of, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're a part of a sheep nation, the sheep house, and we're going to serve him, regardless of what they choose to do. And then he's going to separate, and this we've looked at before, it's over in the book of Malachi, the righteous from the wicked. It's going to happen. And 
those who served God from those who really did not serve him. Now, I know some people really don't like to read that part, but it's in the book. There's some that are not really serving him. That's according to Malachi. They're serving their own interests. They're building their own kingdom. So that's why he's got to come and shake everything that can be shaken. So the only thing that remains is that which he is building. And it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Right? And then he's going to divide the left from the right. And I've shared with you, I've, I've asked the Lord literally, Lord, does that mean politically? No, he's, no, it doesn't necessarily, but it might. It might, he said, he'll tell those on his left hand, you know, depart, but on his right, enter into the joy. So we know that. Those who are for him and against him. Did Jesus say that? Some might accuse him of being a great divider. Well, he was. He said, either you're for me or you're against me. And then those who were sent from those who were went. We've talked about that before. The house or the family of God from the synagogue or the family of Satan. And that's part of the days in which we're living. It's part of the battle that is going to be happening. And there will be a season where the synagogue of Satan, will, it will appear that their ambassadors, their sons, are gaining the upper ground. If you know the Bible, you know what I just said is true. It will appear, by all appearance, that they're on the winning team. But it's only temporarily. And then the last thing is the harvest will occur at the same time Well, there may be one more thing here, but the harvest will occur at the same time of much turbulence and death. This is the one I would rather have passed by, skip to the next one. But how many of you know you can't skip over God's word? So go with me, if you would, to Joshua. I have this one and then one more. You could see why I broke this up into two parts. There's no way you could do all this in one. So I'm going to have, you're going to have two weeks to think about this. Because this is a serious one right here. And this is what a lot, that vision of the harvest that Rick Joyner had back in those days when I got that pamphlet. This is also what it spoke of. I had never heard anybody in my life talk about something like this. And now 30... Well, 40 years later, 41, whatever. No, no, less than that now. Don't get that old. No. How about 20 years ago? 10 years ago? Five years. We have five. Five years ago. Anyways, a long time ago. I'm seeing this stuff happening. Let me just throw out something before I even get into this. I would encourage you. As a pastor, make sure you pray over your meals. It's not a lightly thing anymore. You're not just saying, Lord, God be good, be great. Let us thank him for our food. Let's bow our heads. So I'm hungry, let's eat. It's, you might want to do, you might do, I wonder why the Bible says the food is sanctified by the word and prayer. Do you know it said that? So the word, you got to speak the word of God, and you got to voice the prayer. So the word is, the food is sanctified by the word and prayer. Folks, this stuff happening today, 
from every angle. Where the thief, who is the thief who steals, kills, and destroys, is doing all he can to steal, kill, and destroy. From the air, from the food, through the water. It's like it never stops. Through, you know, the media, through everything. What did I, I read a scripture this morning. It really jumped down and got my attention. It's Psalm 30. It says, oh, Lord, I cried out to you and you healed me. Thank God for the healing power of God. You brought my soul up from the grave or the grip or the sting of death and you have kept me alive. We're the ones that he has kept alive for such a time as this. And the many that we've known are no longer with us. And you know this as I know, the death rate, although they try to keep it hidden, the death rates have soared all around the world, all over the world. And there are things happening that no one wants to discuss. It's the elephant in the room. The truth of the matter is, if you do discuss it, you will be targeted and singled out just as Tucker and many, many others, but we have no choice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read God's Word. Joshua chapter 3. So anyway, they're getting ready to cross over. And I won't read all the Scriptures, but they rose up early. They had to uh, go to separate themselves, keep a little space between them and the ark, the glory of God. We don't want to touch the glory of God in this hour And then in verse 4, for you have not passed this way before. How many of you know we've not come this way before? Has anybody lived in an hour like we're living right now before that we could maybe learn some things from? How did you? Now, we know in history there have been times of tyranny, times where the church went underground. There were all kinds of things that happened. But I tell you, this is a time like no other in all of history. None. No generation has lived through what you and I are walking through and are going to walk through in this hour. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. And that's what you have to keep. Look in verse 5. As they're getting ready to cross over, the Lord will do wonders. We know, we've got to remember, we have a God that will do wonders among you. He's a God that will do that which is impossible with man is still possible with our God. Verse 7, and the Lord said to Joshua, this day... I'll begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, and it'll be known that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Verse 9, so Joshua said to the children, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And when we gather together, it's not about anything that comes from us. God forbid, we want to hear the words of the Lord. The last day church must have ears to hear, not what the man or the woman is saying, but what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And you got to hear the other voice behind you. And then it goes on. And then in verse 14 and 15, And so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan. Now here it was. I'd never seen this in my life until I read that pamphlet that day. And now... It's all coming full circle. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of the harvest. Now, what in the world? 
is that speaking about in this hour? Well, the Jordan River represents two things. How many of you remember that old song? On Jordan's stormy banks I stand, I cast a wishful eye. Oh, who will come and go with me? So there are two things that even that song, it's like the saints of old knew a whole lot more than we know today. Because the Bible somehow, remember we told you, only 4% of Americans have a biblical worldview. How can that be? How can, Lord, how can that be? What happened? Well, there was a washing down, a watering down. They didn't talk about things like the wheat and the tares. They talked about prosperity and how wonderful life would be if you just follow Jesus. No, sometimes you follow him. It's, it's like following in hell. Man, you got to pick up your cross. We've often said this. You know what picking up your cross and dying to yourself will do to you? It'll kill you. But that's the whole thing. You die to yourself that you might live to him. You pick up your cross. A cross is rather painful. But you enjoy. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. You and I pick up our cross, and there are things that are painful now, but we see the joy that is set before us. We see an, an eternal inheritance reserved for us in glory. So anyway, that Jordan River, the old-timey saints understood. They're not that old. Our parents knew this. Number one, it meant turbulence, uproar, chaos. When you cross those rivers, there's going to be some turbulence. But is that not what the Bible says? Jesus said that you enter the kingdom through much, what? Tribulation. So if we're going to go from this age to the kingdom age, what must we pass through? Tribulation. Now, there were some that said, you ain't going to have none of that stuff. Well, keep on explaining it today because it ain't happening. It's going to happen as Jesus said. All these doctrines are being shaken to the core, and we want them to be shaken. Things that I believed all my life, if it's wrong, God, please come and shake them. Because in this hour, if I'm hanging on to anything but you and the truth, it's not going to go that well with me. So I'm going to hang on to the truth. And anyway, it's great turbulence. What else does it speak of? Death and dying. Yes, that's what I say about that. Guys, there are people that have said, my good friend Steve, there are many that said in this congregation, they're gone. I can just tell you we don't know the whole story. If we knew the whole story, well, many of you do. You know what's been happening. It's not shocking. The thief just does what he's called to do. And I remember that scripture out of James chapter 5. It's, oh, what a scripture for the hour. I read that scripture a long time ago when nobody knew what was coming, and I would read it, and people would look at me like I was absolutely lost my mind. And I was reading it saying, well, God, I see it pretty clearly. I'm just hoping it never come to pass. You ever, you ever read something you really hope it doesn't come to pass, to be honest with you? But if it does, you've read it, and you're, li you're lined up on the way of the truth. So anyway, James chapter 5 talks about the elite of the earth who gather all the riches unto themselves. They rob the wage earners. There's mass robbery all over the earth, 
They gather the spoils, the treasures of the earth. But, the, but James says, your riches are moth-eaten and they're spoiled. And you've gathered up basically wrath for the coming of the Lord. And it says, they condemned the innocent and they murdered the just, but no one resists them. What's happening today? Now there's a little more resistance now. Their people are realizing what has happened to their loved ones and their, you know, their lawsuits and their people asking questions and they're running to their doctor and they say, you said this. Did you give my loved one some of that? Because this, I understand, would kill them. Did you do it? And we want to know. It's happening all over America. Anyway, it's all in the Bible, folks. So what does that tell us? It's harvest time. Wouldn't it be just like the devil to try to wipe out a big segment of the population right before the harvest comes in? He wants to fill hell as much as our God has determined to fill heaven. And that's what you and I are all about. And that's what we're going to talk about some next time. But the last one, the harvest is appointed and often comes at unexpected time. Say unexpected. Now, you guys are all with me, right? Nobody's stunned or shocked. I'm not talking about anything that's not happening. The Lord told me a long time, I just feel like you're supposed to preach relevant messages to the times in which you're living. You know, I can give a good Bible lesson, and it may make you, you might get you a little bit, wow, that's encouraging. But how does it relate to today? How do I live my life right now when they're coming after us with, anyway, I won't go there because they're liable to, but I'm not afraid. I just want to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. I'm willing, Shirley and I have already settled. Man, if they come for me, Shirley, she's saying, well, I'm going with you. Well, you, she can come. We'll go together. Because, you know, once you close your eyes, when you open them, you're in the, the king of glory is standing. What have you been waiting on? You're not going to see the world. You're not going to see yourself. You're not going to see all these things. You're going to see him. One glance into his face. Okay, Hosea 6.11. Oh, Judah, a harvest is appointed for you. Can I look at you and tell you, Kobe, you guys, there's a big harvest appointed for you. This man's testimony, what God has been doing in his family, you could write a book about. It's an amazing story. God gets all the glory for what's been happening. And this carpet cleaner, he cleaned our carpet last July, and God revolutionized his life still is in the process, but it's an amazing, but there's a harvest appointed to you, Isaac. You're supposed to be walking in this with me. I need you. You're a big, strong man. Amen. They come for me. They should go through you first. No, 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 no. We didn't. This is not about running. This is about doing the will of the Father. It's about raising the dead, healing the sick. This is about doing kingdom stuff. The rest of that stuff will work it out for itself. But anyway, the Mobile Bay, the Jubilee Phenomenon. Now, you can't make this stuff up. So anyway, okay, I'm, I'm in my 20s. I get an invitation to go to Amsterdam, Holland. I have no money. If you, if you saw where I lived in my little trailer in Philippi, West Virginia, you would agree you have no money. Where are you going? 
You can't even get to Atlanta. You know, you, but anyway, so they pay my way to go to this gigantic international conference for itinerant evangelists. And I'm one of the representatives from America thinking, what in the world am I doing here? How did I even get here? God, I almost messed it up, but I got there. And then we go home, get married. I meet my wonderful wife. She walks into church one Sunday in the town of Philippi, West Virginia. You could count girls on, on one hand like this. Just, you, there, wasn't, there was not a lot to choose from. I don't know where she lived. She was a teacher. I never knew. But anyway, I, the day she walked in, I walked to the back and got her number and name and address and social security number a couple of times. Anyway, so then, okay, so, so about a year later, Joshua shows up, and, um, and then this I think his name was Rick. He lived in Fairmont, West Virginia, and he comes and he says, David, you got to read this about the harvest. Who's Rick Joyner? I never heard of him. So I'm reading about the harvest, my heart I'm just exploding. God, this is God, this is what I'm called to. This is it. This is the end of this is it. So then I go meet Rick, become his assistant, work at Morningstar, end up here. Bob Jones has his billion so harvest, and he's buried out there. But anyway, in the middle of all this, we're living in Mobile, Alabama. We were there about what, six, seven years, somewhere in there. Wonderful time of our life. Emily played the violin and danced. It was glorious going to her recitals and dancing. Josh was a knockout. Hey, you mean a good pitcher. He had a slider. It, nobody could hit it, Joe. And I was his coach, so I had bragging rights. No, it had nothing to do with me. We were, we were champions It's because of Josh's slider. But anyway... We lived in Mobile, Alabama. There's something that happens in the Mobile Bay that only happens in one other place on the entire planet. In Japan, Tokyo Bay, Japan. That's it. One of, now, Bob tells us this Moravian Falls is also one of two places on the earth where there's an open heaven, and it's in Japan? This is getting scary. I hadn't even thought about that. So anyway, in Mobile... Tokyo, Japan, Mobile Bay that's called the Jubilee. And what happens is it, it's unexpected. It's usually in the summer, mostly with flounder. Now, they do have crab and shrimp Jubilees, but they're not as prevalent as, as the flounder. But it's all of a sudden, the fish just start coming up on the tops of the water. And there's a shout around the Mobile Bay. I never heard the shout, but I think they had one while we were there. It's over in Daphne. On that side, Daphne, Fairmont, the Fair Hope, Alabama. So anyway, they shout, Jubilee! And all the fishermen, they got to be ready. If you're not ready, you're going to miss it. So if you're ready, what do you do? You just go, man, you pick up bucket loads, bucket loads of fish. Tubs. Keep tubs by their doors. Because you never know when the shout of a Jubilee is going to be sounded across the bay. And those that are ready get in on the harvest. 
The fish, I knew I was missing something out. That's important. These fish, they don't just come to the surface. They literally jump out of the water onto the shore. And we lived there. We lived on the other side, the mobile side. It was originally called the Bay of the Holy Spirit. The first conference, because we've sponsored conferences, Linda, all our lives. It's what we've done. And we invited Bobby... Connor, Ray Hughes. Was Bob at that one? Thunder in the Bay. I don't know. There was a bunch of people. Ray and and Bobby. But anyway, Thunder in the Bay. It was a great. We shook up demon forces. In those days, I didn't know a lot about spiritual warfare. So, but we just shook them up anyway. And I was trusting the saints of old to pray over. God protect that young man. He knows not what he's doing. (laughs) He's stirring up principalities out of the bay. You know, protect him from killing himself. And there's something to all that. But God gave grace. So anyway, here we are. It's all fit together. Now, you're the ones that are here, the survivors. And what are we going to do about this? We're going to get our tubs, and we're going to be ready. Because a great harvest, not only is there a appointed time for the harvest, there's an appointed time of salvation, and today is the day of salvation, and that's what we want to focus on, and I, if you're just visiting, I pray God will dump all over you that anointing for harvest in your family, in your city, in your region, in your nation. You say, well, it's getting bad out here. Well, that's out there. Greater is he that's in us, and it's not in here. It's in you wherever you go, the greater one. Is greater than anything. So, Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercies that endure forever. Great, oh, God, mighty is your name. Lord, I pray even this day for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. We pray for salvation. Lord, today is the day of salvation. This is the appointed time. Lord, we thank you for not leaving us in this place of, un- of misunderstanding the times. Lord, you said you would give us an understanding of the times so that we would know what we ought to do, just like the sons of Issachar. And I thank you, God. I'm seeing things now over my entire life that are coming full circle for such a time as this. God, this story, this Christian life journey It's almost too good to be true, but it's true. And the work that you start in us, you complete it. Thank you for the Samarias. Thank you for bringing us through places we would have avoided if it had been up to us. But you engineered our circumstances so that we would go through those times and seasons so that you would make us into the men and women that you called us to be for such a time as this. So we thank you for the anointings. Thank you for all the mantles. Thank you for dreams and visions that you've stirred up. Thank you, Lord, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You were not there taking away those things you called us to because we messed up. You were calling us to repentance. And you said the gifts and callings are without repentance. And they are still part of who you are. 
And it's time to rise up. And I call people in this room right now to rise up. I call them online to rise up. Your nation needs you right now. You say, I'm just one man or one woman. Listen, we read last week, it was the faith of one man that saved an entire city. No one knew his name. He was not given any accolades. There were no trophies. They didn't even remember his name. But God used him to save a city. And God will use people in this hour to save nations, cities, regions, neighborhoods, families. This is the hour. It's the greatest hour. It's the harvest time. It's harvest time. Lord, I just pray for release of the anointing upon everyone in this room, those watching online. But I also want to pray for those watching right now. If you've never met Jesus or if you're in this room and you say, the Holy Spirit is dealing with me, there's conviction, and I need a Savior and I want to settle it once and for all, you just pray something like this. This is how we pray every week in Uganda and in the nations. And uh, all I can tell you is that God hears and answers. And we're seeing now a great harvest. And it's happening and it's going to happen more and more and more. But just say, dear God, I need you. I confess I need a Savior. And I acknowledge Jesus is my Savior. I repent of all my sin. I confess I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And I thank you that Jesus shed his blood so that I could be forgiven. Now, I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth him as my Lord and Savior. I turn from my sin. I forsake it. And God, I ask you to help me to live the Christian life. But I choose to take up my cross and follow you. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. Use me in this hour as you have written in my book concerning me. I yield and surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you write us, connect with us, and we'll send you some some information.